Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Nears? What the fuck, buddies? Nice to be in your head. Uh, I appreciate you welcoming me into your brain uh, in a very direct and immediate fashion, usually. Today on the show, uh, uh, Sir Nick Frost is here. (laughs) Sir Nick, he's not a sir. Nick Frost is here. Uh, I know many of you know him from his... uh, his partnership with Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, both of whom have been on this show. Uh, he's going to be in this, uh, he's got a new animated film, The Box Trolls, uh, opens uh, in theaters this Friday on the 26th. The day before my birthday, the day before my birthday is the 27th. And I, during at my birthday, I will be at LA Podfest. That's right. You can get the package deal. You can do all kinds, you know, come down. There's a lot of podcasts. I'm going to be peering on the, Aisha Tyler's podcast on that Friday, the 26th. I'll be doing a podcast on Saturday, the 27th, my birthday. You can actually go to LAPodfest.com, and if you click on the live link, it will allow you to buy a weekend stream to see the festival, and I believe there's still tickets available. You can go to LAPodfest.com and get all that stuff. I'm going to be doing, who's on my show so far? Shelby Farrow, Whitney Cummings, Amber Preston, Desi... Jadakin, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Maybe one other person, but uh, that should be fun. My niece is going to be in town. I'm happy to have her out for my birthday and uh, with a a full agenda of things to do uh, that I think a 15-year-old from Phoenix will enjoy. So there's a lot going on, man. I got to do a podcast. I I guess I'm just blowing through this birthday, but we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate together at LA PodFest. What else do I have happening? Oh, I'd really like you to come if you're in the Bay Area. The, uh, the Litquake event I'm doing is going to be a blast. I'm going to be uh, in San Francisco uh, doing a, it's I, their title, Attempting Normal, Mark Marin in Conversation. It's at the Z space, but you can just go to litquake.org and uh, get some seats. I, I believe there's still some seats left. It's a 7 p.m. show. And Jack Bulware, the fellow who, uh, who's going to be in conversation with me, we, him and I go way back. He's an old friend. He's a writer in his own right. Uh, he's been a great friend to me. He's been to both my weddings, and he's had a falling out with me as well. But it was not a big one. It was just one of those ones where it's like, are we cool? Yeah, we're cool. Oh, I didn't know if we were cool. Yeah, we are. So so it won't be tense, but uh, it'll be fun, and we'll do a Q&A. And I enjoy uh, doing those type of live events. I like talking to the audience. I like people to ask me things that make me think on my feet. Not unlike what happened at the Trippany House show the other night. 
I know what's going on. I know some of you come to those shows regularly. I know many of you have seen me over and over again when I workshop this material. And I know also that some of that material is stuff I'm going to be doing because that's part of the work. And I know some of you guys have seen it, but I'll do other stuff, especially if you let me know how many of you have been there, then I feel guilty. But I'll be at the Trippany House um, September 23rd and September 30th. I think Nate Bargetzi is going to be doing both of those shows with me. And then October 14th, I think the the, uh, Irreplaceable uh unique ryan singer will be with me on october 21st i don't believe i have an opener for that show yet but uh those are all happening you can go to wtfpod.com to the calendar and and get links to that there there, it's an eight dollar ticket there's plenty of parking it's a very small space very intimate and uh things happen things happen that'll never happen again not out of choice but just the way it goes sometimes i prefer that for some reason monkey uh, was acting weird yesterday i you know it's like it always happens he was acting weird. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Both my cats, the ones that are still with us. Boomer lives, by the way. Uh, I don't know where Deaf Black Cat is. I, I have no fucking idea. Uh, I don't know where any of the animals are. I don't know where the skunk smell was coming from. I didn't, I didn't see them. They didn't seem to reveal themselves. Where are all my animals? I guess it's just too fucking hot. Too hot. Too hot for the animals. But Monkey, I don't know what, what's going on, and I get nervous. He's acting twitchy. Like, these cats, as they're getting older, are getting very needy. Not not in a physical, like, ill way, but just you're getting sort of softer. They're getting a little... I don't know. These were, these were feral cats. But you know what I'm starting to think, man? I always thought that my cats were, like, twitchy and nervous and amped up because they were feral, because they were when I got them. But they were just barely feral. But for years, they've just been, like, completely nuts. It barely touchable for a long time and now they're both really sort of warm but they're just completely uh, skittish and uh, i gotta be honest with you along with some of the inner work i'm doing i'm finding that uh, i might be responsible for that if 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 you were around me all day long with with my volatility and my overreacting to things i think i might have done that to my cats and now i'm sort of being more aware because i've always thought that i'm not really a cat guy uh i'm certainly not a dog guy but i, I like cats a lot i love them but uh, I'm a little, uh, a little anxious, a little jumpy, and sure enough, they're they're both fucking jumpy. So now I'm trying to be nice around the cats and just relax because I, you know, I want them to have a nice uh, retirement. But a monkey just has been going at his dick lately, and I I don't know what's going on. Like he, the other night, I fed him some chicken and uh, some nice roasted chicken, and then he went to the litter box and he came back out and he started making weird noises that he doesn't make. He's not a very noisy cat though. He's a little noisier lately. He just started going. And he just started like attacking his own cock, and uh, I thought like, oh great, there's something, there's something fucked up with monkey. Maybe he's just excited about the chicken. You know, sometimes I eat things and I just want to, yeah, I want to go at my dick too. I mean, sometimes like you get a bowl of ice cream or a nice piece of cake, and you know, right after it, you're like, you want to make noises, it's just like, oh yum, oh my god, and just pull your dick out and go at it. Can't lick my own dick, but I've felt that urge before, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if it happens again, and and just you know sort of uh, write it off as uh, just overly excited about having some nice chicken is why he gave himself head. But I don't know. We'll see. He seems okay today. He's been spending a lot of time under the bed, but not doesn't seem sick. Just a, a little noisy and uh, sort of uh, going at his own dick occasionally. I've seen more cat dick lately than I, than I like to admit because uh, it's not something unique. You know, it's not something you're used to seeing. You know, dog dicks, you know, you, they're, they're just there. They're just out and dog balls and, you know, dog, dog boners. But... Every time you see a cat dick, you're like, oh my God, that's, you just have that hidden? 
It's all. It, I I didn't even assume that that was even in there. You know, sometimes, you know, because I've done some some talk radio in my in my day back in the day, did a little uh, lefty talk, a little political talk, and uh, and also because I'm a comic and I and I do have a certain honesty to me, though it's specific, uh, usually to me in my life. Occasionally, I get people you know who you know, will tweet at me or say things like. How come you're not uh, talking about the Israeli-Palestinian thing? How come you're not talking? Where, where, where's your commentary on Ferguson? What's going on? I don't hear you uh, talk. You're a vinyl guy, but I don't hear you talking about what throwing vinyl away does to the environment. Where, on, where are you on climate change? Uh, well, right now, I'd like to do a, a segment that I'm improvising. Let's, let's call it Mark Addresses World Problems. Let's try it. Let's try a segment. All right, so I'll make up the guy who's uh, you know who's all worked up about uh, my my lack of throwing my hat in the ring. So uh, what's going on? How come I don't hear you talking about the uh, Palestinian situation? Uh, well, um, it's bad, man. It's bad. Uh, it, it's bad, and uh, you know, I, I it's it, it's a sad situation, and uh, you know, I hope there can be resolution. All right, what about Ferguson again? Uh, fucked up, seriously bad. Uh, sometimes the the racial realities of the country we live in uh, embarrasses me, and um, I, I really hope that 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 gets better and continues to get better. It's bad, bad situation. What about climate change? I'm against it. I'm 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 totally against climate change. Uh, it's again a bad situation. I do what I can. Uh, I, I recycle. I try not to, to breathe too much. Um, I have a, a fuel-efficient vehicle, but not an electric vehicle. But uh, it's bad. It's it's bad, and it makes me nervous. Um, I don't think I don't think it's going to go haywire completely in my lifetime. But and I don't have kids. But that doesn't mean that I don't care. But it means I care a little less. That's enough, man. I think that's I'm exhausted from that political commentary. I'm exhausted. Maybe I should just call that segment. Uh, yeah, it's bad. That's fucked up. So I always, uh, it's always fun for me to talk to British people because I, I'm completely ignorant of exactly what, what goes on over there, what it's like to grow up in Britain. I'm always sort of fascinated by that. I, I romanticize it. Uh, it I'm, I wouldn't say my perception of it is Dickensian, but I would say it's a, it's a mixture of uh, Beatles, um, some information I've gotten, uh, a little bit of Alan Silito, uh, long, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Was that his name? You know, it's just a mixed bag. I've spent a couple of weeks in London, but and I and I think the the UK in general. My experience has been it's it's beautiful and it's old, but I don't know a lot. So I'm, uh, it's always uh, thrilling to me just to talk about what it's like to live in uh, the UK with people from the UK. But you know, Nick Frost was very. Uh, I was I was it was I was thrilled that we had the opportunity to talk to him. And and why don't we do? Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say 
essay in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. That now. I must have a knife as well on the desk. Yeah, I, I want to have that there just in case. It kicks off. I never know what the hell. Like, sometimes people play with shit. I, I just have stuff there, and it just keeps building. Yeah. Seems the popular thing. That thing seems to get some attention. This? No, the uh, squeezy, muscly thing. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what those are called. Were they like a, yeah. a hand exerciser? Yeah. yeah. A wanking machine. Yeah, the wanking machine. The, <laughs> the power wank machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, how long have you been in L.A., Nick? Uh, I've been in here, uh, well, in L.A. since Tuesday night. Yeah. And how's it going? Good. Really nice. Do you like coming here? I do like coming here. Yeah, I had a terrible night last night. I was up at, at like 2.30. Yeah. And then I just thought, well, can I swear? Yeah, of course. I thought, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to stay awake. So yeah. then... You, you've been up all night? Yeah. I've been watching films. I watch a lot of films. I watched like four films already. But you were hanging out with the, you said you were hanging out with Edgar at the Chateau? Yes. And then- I managed to get him drunk enough so he'd go <laughs> at a decent time. But he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a lightweight. Yeah, he's terrible. You got, he's a little younger than you too, right? Yeah, I think he's like three or four years younger than me. But I've almost had fights for Edgar before where he's got so pissed that he's been out of order to the wrong man and they've wanted to thump him and then I've had to step in to say, you know, you can't touch this little fella. <laughs> but he only does it with you, I bet. He knows you got his back. He's yeah. going to start some shit. Yeah. But he, he never got his ass kicked? Uh, I'm sure he has before I arrived. <laughs> I've wanted to a few times. So what are you at, what are you out here doing this trip? Uh, well, I'm here with the film Box Trolls. Yeah. Uh, I did like four hours work on it. And then they said, well, why don't you come to the premiere and meet uh, Sir Ben Kingsley? So I was like, yeah, all right. Did you meet Ben Kingsley? No, Saturday we're doing a Q&A and he's, I'm having a dilemma as to what to call him. What are the options? Mr. Kingsley? Ben, ben? Sir? Well, my heart as a man to a man says, say Ben. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to say, hey, Ben. And he says, it's Sir Ben. Oh, Because I think I'd have an issue with that. But it, you, would, uh, you wouldn't feel bad? You'd say, who the fuck you think you are? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'd want to say, I think. <laughs> so I don't recognize your... Anybody can get knighted now, asshole. Yeah. I could buy one online. Yeah. <laughs> Become the Duke of Brighton. <laughs> It's that easy, man. Yeah. You can actually buy peerages online for that, Britain. Really? Yeah, just like little known ones that have essentially, you know, the, 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 the lineage has died out and they're just sat there dormant. So you could actually become the Duke of something or, or Earl. I mean, it means nothing. But How much on, does it cost something like that? I think it costs a few grand. Yeah. But yeah, there's a famous boxer called Chris Eubank. Yeah. Who was like super middleweight champion of the yeah. world in like the 80s and 90s. He bought he bought one and like he's now like Duke of Brighton, and he drives around in a giant uh, big rig like an eighteen wheeler truck, but just the cap. It, uh, it doesn't say Duke of Brighton on the side. Yeah, I think it does. And wait, I that's is that a that's sort of a sad indicator of of what's happened, isn't it? I mean, yeah, he might as well have the words "Look at me" written right. on the 
cab. You but know. the fact that you can buy those things, I guess the money goes to the township, or how does it work there? Yeah, I, mean, I think you become like lord of the people, you know, and uh, you can then take your pick of, of, of the women. and In the town. So it's still kind of old school like oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can prima nupte, isn't it? You, <laughs> yeah. you get to sleep with the brides on the first night. For a few thousand bucks, you get to be a duke, go to the town, pick a lady. What's not to like? Yeah, it sounds great. I have a feeling it doesn't work that way, though. Wait, so, okay, so you, Ben Kingsley's a guy, you know, I mean, I grew up watching him, you grew up watching yeah. him. He's a great actor. He is. And why, why are you, you going to be hanging out with Ben Kingsley? Well, it, it's, uh, it's, the, it's Laika, who are the, the guys behind Coraline and Paranorman. Okay. And I think they're, they're doing that nice thing that, even though they're making animated films, they're doing it stop motion, which is incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a chance to see some of the, you know. With, like, uh, with clay? Yeah, essentially. Really? Yeah, uh, it's really classic. It's an incredible process. And it takes forever. It does. I think they started it in 1912. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what do you know? What's your character? I play a man called Trout, who's uh-huh. essentially a, uh, a violent meatbag with a heart of gold. Right. Uh, I'm not sure why they cast me in that role, but he, you know, through his work with Ben Kingsley's character, aka Mister. I think it's Mr. Poole. He 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 starts to question whether or not he's right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Now, do but, but is this the first time you're meeting Ben? Yeah, on Saturday. And, so, but you've worked with him for. Yeah, our voices have worked together yeah, in the you, edit suite. Isn't that amazing about yeah? Voice Simon's in it too, and and El Fanning is in it. Yeah. And and Sir Ben and um, no, but none of you've met Tracy I've, Morgan is in it. But you've met Simon, obviously. But you, you, it was all solitary work. You were just reading. Yeah, it was just me on my own. Uh, sometimes with a lovely Richard Iowadi, and and that was it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that like you're you're part of a film and you're you know it's opening and you're going to meet the cast now. Yeah, I did Ice Age too, and and so I can probably say I work with Queen Latifah and. <laughs> But yeah, never, never met him. Never met Dennis Leary. That, that's the that's the beauty and the weirdness of doing yeah. animation. It paid for my kitchen overhaul. Right, yeah, I'd never met any of the other actors in it. But what a great ensemble! What a lovely cast! <laughs> it's going to be so awkward in the green room. Well, uh, I'm, well, I'm curious to see. Like stop motion is like it is something to see because it's almost like a throwback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys are. Um, you know the guys that do the wrong trousers and uh, the the park animation down in Bristol in in Britain. They do, right. they do it. And I was fortunate enough to look around their studios, and it was it's like a, a universe. I imagine. Yeah. Like well, a, before, like where they they each you know each frame they'd move the mouth, and it was made of clay. Oh but God. now they have a thing where they have magnetic clip-on mouths. Oh, really? So they have a room with like a million mouths in, so they can just snap one up, take that off, put it, and and do it that way. That seems almost more work. It's not. Apparently not. Apparently, it's it's you just kind of choose your array of mouths for the day, like oh my god, one A to seven C, and then you just you gotta have such like OCD to like do that. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Well, I hope it goes well with Ben. Absolutely. I hope you pick the right. I might say, all right, Gandhi. Perfect. That might be my opening. I think you figured it out. Yeah. So, what part of England did you grow up in? I grew up in a place called Dagenham. Which is the um, the kind of far reaches of the East End. So I, as a guy who knows nothing about yep. England, let, paint me a Dickensian picture. Okay, well Dagenham is it was f- the most it's the most famous thing because it has a big Ford plant there. Okay, uh, it's a shithole. It's very working class. Um, <laughs> it was a place to buy hashish and weed, mm-hmm. but you could also get cut there fairly easily. 
You could get caught easily? Cut. Cut? Well, really? Yeah. Okay, got it. it, got it. it. I think it's one of the cutting capitals oh, of, of the, London. A, yeah, when you look at the tourist map, it's got a guy bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah, it has like <laughs> a, hash pipe. a wound open and <laughs> one drop of blood coming out. Uh, yeah, it, it's... It was a kind of it was a what happened in the East End in yeah. like the 1950s and 60s is as as the immigrant families moved in the true Cockneys were angry at this so they all moved out gradually. Right? Do you come from a true Cockney? Essex. I'm not a true Cockney. A true Cockney, you have to be born within the sound of Bow Bells. Now Bow Bells is a famous church. Okay. And if you can hear Bow Bells as you are being born, then you're a Cockney. That's what that's that's really what it depends on. Yeah. Yeah. And where were you? So you didn't make it? You couldn't hear the no, bells? No, crikey. Bow Bells was a way away. It was like five miles away. So I did not hear Bow Bells uh, coming out of my mum. But what? What? Uh, how many How many kids in your family, though? Is it a big working class family? Or? It was, but I was, a, I was the only one from my mum and dad. Oh. But my dad had children before me, and my mum had kids before, before me. So I was the only... The only thing that really connected them. Yes, yeah, essentially. And you had two half-brothers and sisters. Yeah, in my mum and dad's sex life, I was the only one in that Venn diagram. <laughs> right, in right. In the middle. You, you were the you, the only uh, the only true one between them. And what, did your dad work at that Ford plant? No, my my dad, he did, he was like, he did a lot of things. I remember him, when I first kind of became aware of him, he was a gardener. Aware of him? Like, you were sort of yeah. like, hey, there's that guy. Uh, who are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was a gardener, yeah. and he always had. My, my my dad's not with us anymore, but he, even when he died, he had like the most amazing body for a like seventy four year old man, and he yeah. was always fit as a butcher's dog. And yeah, he was a gardener, and then he became. He was an incredible artist as well, so he painted a lot. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and then he became. He started work at a factory, which made high end office furniture. Okay. Uh, and he started as an upholsterer. Uh-huh. And over the next kind of 25 years, he became managing director of the company. Really? Yeah. So he climbed up from upholstery yeah. to the guy in charge. Yeah. He was a delivery driver, and then eventually he was the boss. So I, I'm always impressed with people that have skills like gardening, upholstering. Yeah. I, it, it's, uh, I, I wish I had it. I can't do any of that. You can't do anything? No. Yeah. I'm, no, I just... <laughs> I think I could probably upholster... You as can, long as it's taught, yeah, that's, that's, that's all you the, need. Yeah. stretch that shit out and staple it. Yeah, you got it. If it's a hydraulic, <laughs> I'd be all right. I think. <laughs> so when you were growing up, I mean, what was uh, how old? What was the age difference between you and your siblings? Were the, uh, I was the youngest, right? And then uh, did it just go up, or were the two of them the same age? Was it? Yeah, I think uh, it went like my youngest sister was seven years, four years older than me. Then there was one. Oh, so three years older than her. Then uh-huh. there was, you know, and it went up like that. So you've got a half sister, a half brother, or sister that's probably sixty. Yeah, really? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Fr- do you know them all? I don't. It's a. <laughs> well, I I do, but it's 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 part yeah. of my sad life story actually. That uh, a, a lot of them kind of didn't make it. Oh, really? Yeah, they've passed away. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Four of them. Really? Yeah. Four out of the out of the six. Wow. Which, you, just uh, tragically or yeah, yeah just just uh, you know life yeah no, and, that's and, and how it moves and yeah. rolls sadly so yeah i mean it was a real pain in the hole yeah uh, it's a uh, uh, it's it's any uh, you know it's a uh, a wonder that i can keep going yeah. <laughs> if i'm being honest <laughs> well I, I guess that uh well you seem pretty healthy 
Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I also lost a mum and a dad in that time too. So, uh, yeah, so much friggin' tragedy that it. it, it uh, but I think my. Oh, but not at once, not in some. No. Okay. Maybe that would have been easier to just get it all over and done with, <laughs> as opposed to be uh, drip fed grief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, I think my point, uh, my outlook on life is what what what's the alternative you know you right just get up and keep going you gotta you know? keep going yeah, yeah you can't get because the, the the sadness will drag you down oh my god you'd stick a nine in your mouth yeah it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> uh, but we're built to deal with it from what i understand yeah humans yeah, yeah. i think you just get better at it yeah you know and, yeah yeah you do your, your heart gets cold yeah cold heart by the time my dad went i was like ta-da yeah see you later i gave i lifted his hand up and we had a, a high five a post-mortem you, high five you put it back in the box <laughs> yeah oh. bye dad uh yeah but i have a kid now you know i have a three-year-old son so all that is now gone because i sure. now have my own sure deal, and, so know? that's a pretty new thing yeah i'm looking kid. forward to dying on him yeah so I, uh, yeah it's your planet he so, <laughs> decide what age you'd like to go at what would be best for him to handle yeah well, well, what, seven yeah no well that's seven's a, good for a child to lose his dad that might be a little young but you know what he won't remember you that He'll clearly yeah that but, really what? upsets me that notion of of what not of dying because i don't remember my i don't remember much before five right right sure so all that amazing relationship i have with my son now and the yeah. closeness we have <laughs> he wouldn't care if <laughs> i went he wouldn't even remember wouldn't, me. Wouldn't, there'd just be a picture on a mantle somewhere he, and there'd yeah. be a new guy there who's that fat bearded <laughs> yeah he'd call that guy dad <laughs> yeah exactly oh this is getting depressing Let's, don't do it stay around let's listen to a record yeah what do you got <laughs> i got a few records inside <laughs> But when you were growing up, uh, it was, your, your goal was not to be an actor. Uh, no, I had no goal. Uh, good for you. That's a good way a creative person starts. Even now, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> I've been doing meetings with people this week, and yeah. they're a weird thing, but I could see... The generals? The general yeah, meeting? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I could see people going to pitch stuff in the, in the right. waiting room. Right. And they were just panicking and shitty, yeah. and they were saying... Uh, Have you got enough charge in your yeah. iPad yeah. for the presentation? Yeah. It's like... I've never given a shit about anything that much, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I seem to have a real good laugh at these things and we just go in and we just have a chat and Yeah, it's sort of like, We love you. That was so funny that thing you did with yeah. that guy. Yeah. What are you doing? I've That's that, a good question. I have that weird Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, what do you what's I have going? that weird thing and I think you don't you kinda of get them in Britain too, but you get them a lot here and I did that. I did a pilot this year with Justin Long mm -hmm. uh, for CBS called Sober yeah. Companion. And I, I loved it. I loved that man and I love working with him. But there was that weird thing that you come off set and there's like another set of monitors and yeah. behind them are execs yeah. from... Yeah, for, for just a, from a, little, a little stack of uh, untalented people. Yeah, I don't know what the collective yeah, noun would yeah. be for them. But right. They do that thing rather than laugh. Yeah. They just tell you you're funny. Right. But with, with the most... Oh my god, you're really funny! Right, right. It's like, oh, you mean that? Because yeah. what I'm hearing is, oh, yeah. you're a massive cunt. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what it sounds Every, like. Everything's to me. not non-committal. They don't want to get your hopes up in yeah. any way. They don't want you to get the wrong idea. They don't want to get fired. Exactly. And the pilot didn't go, or did you? Don't it know. It did not go. See, so that's what they were saying. Yeah, that's exactly what they oh were my saying. God, you'll never be employed yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. But when you, when you were younger, what what were you doing in this shithole that um, you lived in? I was um, nothing. I mean, I got into trouble. I smoked. I had fights. I played a lot of rugby. Rugby. Uh, See, that's something we don't have here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you do have a team. You guys are playing New Zealand soon. Oh, yeah, I knew that. And I no, think, I did not to be that. honest, it's going to be a three-figure mauling. Yeah, by New Zealand. Yeah, they're, uh, they're playing in Soldier Field. It's a sellout. Well, we're we're not. It's not an indigenous sport here. No, it it's, isn't. It's, it's probably new to us. I know it happens in some colleges, but I, yes. I don't know. It's like football, correct? Yeah, but like without, not not soccer football, but American football. Yeah, but no pads, and it's almost continuous. You know, we we don't work on the down system. So it's like it's it just keeps moving. It keeps moving. People are getting the shit beat out of each other. Yeah, and you can see it. Oh yeah, I mean, it's that's, not, there's no pads protecting anybody. No, they they wear. There's I a don't thing, know why that never cut on here. Yeah, it's true. There's a thing you can get called um, you you get cabbage patch ears. Yeah, and so you see MMA fighters with big fat ears, and rugby players get it too. Oh, really? So now they're kind of wearing a hat kind of, of foamy helmets. Yeah, can we say foamy helmet? Sure. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I played that for a long time as a kid. Was that like, uh, did you see it as a career possibility? I, I kind of. Well, it wasn't paid at that time when I was right. when I was playing. You didn't get paid, yeah. but now they get paid. You know, right, it's right. professional. But I was kind of good. You know, I was. I, I played for. Were you in the paper? I was not in the paper. I don't think. No, I think the, no... the scores were and right, the but, teams, but not but... like this guy's special. Yeah, none of that. Watch this lump. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I yeah. essentially played for my state. Mm-hmm. I got to that kind of level. What, what, oh, so there's a state team. Well, you have a county team. So yeah. county for us is the same as state for you guys. Okay. So I, it was all right. Yeah. I was probably five steps from being uh, kind of pretty good. Was there ever talk of going pro, or did you? No, they didn't have it yet. I got to a point. I got injured when I was sixteen, and I was out for like nine months. And then when I came back, uh, I'd kind of fallen for weed and drinking and girls. And yeah, it was over. I was thought washed up. I went. I went back when I was twenty-two. To rugby. Twenty-two, twenty-three. Yeah, mate of mine, a Nigerian mate of mine said, "Why don't you come and train with London, Nigeria?" Yeah, and I was the only white man on the team and this is before show business this was before show a long time before show business and they would fight so much during training amongst themselves yeah that i got to i thought fuck this on a tuesday raining tuesday night yeah i thought no no and that was it that was my you didn't want to fight with them no not really i mean because they're big you know six eight and three hundred pounds fuck that this is training yeah I don't mind fighting on match day, but why now? Why am I losing teeth on a Tuesday night? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question and a, and a reasonable question a to mem- ask. A memoir for a great exactly. Why am I losing teeth on a Tuesday <laughs> night? That's the memoir of Nick Frost. But are you a fighty guy? Um, I have my moments. I think people assume because I'm a comedian and and they see me playing Danny Butterman or Little Ed that I am that man. But yeah. uh, coming from where I came from you kind of had to be really yeah it was a tough it was a tough place so i'm not yeah but uh, if pushed then i will <laughs> are uh, you a winner i'm nasty so oh really yeah i think it's that thing there's no queensbury rules it's, <laughs> it's finish it quickly you know <laughs> just pummel uh, the guy yeah i've been done a few times too really, really? yeah simon had to come and take me from the hospital one time because i got kind of done by five men on the street what and did you start it no nah, man they just just got jumped for no reason and oh that's a mugging yeah well, they didn't fight. take they didn't take anything though they just felt like beating the shit out of you yeah you and didn't they, you didn't say anything i couldn't they uh they were like 18 and i was like they just five of them surrounded me 
And I think you know you're in trouble when their opening gambit is, I'm going to fuck you up, you fat cunt. And for no reason other no than No reason at that. all. No. So, it, but like generally growing up in a type of neighborhood, because I don't have any experience with it, what would fights be about? Bullshit? Yeah, just fronting up, you know? Yeah. Just you didn't like someone for whatever reason. And just at a, bu- a pub and it's just sort of, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hated it, you know, and, and growing up where I did, it was a large Irish community too, so... Was that a problem? It wasn't a problem, but, you know, I, 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 I went to pubs at quite an early age, you know, I was pubbing it at like 13, 14, and yeah. we'd all try and get in somewhere and get in somewhere else, and invariably the drink at that point, not for me, but for pubs and clubs that were full of drunken irishmen on payday it yeah. would kick off and it it was kind of horrific to me you know and it frightened frightened the life out of me and i think right. you know the best thing that happened to british culture was was you know uh ecstasy because yeah. it, it essentially stopped all violence in all pubs and clubs because because everybody loved each other yeah yeah punches were replaced by by hugs, hugs. oh that's Amazing. sweet but like the uh, like, it's weird because it's hard not to stereotype. But I had I grew up in I didn't grow up, but I went to college in Boston, and I was uh, fairly terrified of Irish people. Yeah, <laughs> they, they just because a lot of the town was Irish, and you'd go to these bars, and it would just be like, I'm going to get my ass kicked yeah. for no reason. Not bothered either. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's that I love that thing that truly violent people have no uh, they have no thought about consequence. Right. And I always had, you know, and being a big man who was agile, you think, I could just kill you right now with right. one. You know, it's that thing you read about, guy hits a guy and that guy's knocked out and he falls over and hits his head. And it's over. And he dies. Yeah. And it's like, I've always been terrified of that. Yeah. And of that's why it? I don't... Of, of causing that? Of ha- yeah. yeah, potentially. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Accidentally killing accidentally, the guy. It'd be terrible. Yeah. It'd be absolutely awful. And it happens all the time. So, I know. yeah. Over you know, nothing. Over nothing. Yeah. But, you know, people... Like the guys in Boston and, and the hard nuts at home, they don't give a shit about that. You know, they don't even think about it. I, I guess that's yeah. It's uh, I guess that's what makes somebody a, a good fighter. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Is that, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? Right. But yeah, that guy doesn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. He's the best. I was talking to who was I talking to the other day? We saw a guy in a pub, and he was a lot of scars on his face. And she said, "God, I'm really frightened of this guy." And I said. It's not the guy with the scars you need to be frightened about. It's the guy who gave him the scars, who invariably has no scars, you know. <laughs> yeah. So when when you got uh, all involved with the weed and the booze and you gave up your, your 16-year-old rugby dream, yeah. what did you end up doing? Nothing, really. I just uh, I dropped out of high school when I was like 16, 15 and a half, 16. Uh, and I started work... Uh, when I was like almost sixteen, yeah, at a shipping company, yeah, for like, for like seven thousand dollars a year, yeah, uh, and I kind of liked it because they treated me like an adult, you know, and I hated right. school because they didn't treat me like an adult, right, and I didn't act like an adult to be fair, but they, uh, I loved it, I love working. So you're just a guy, yeah, like loading shit, yeah, doing just, stuff, yeah, making a paycheck, just making it work, yeah, yeah, that's what working I did. with other guys, yeah. Chatting to the girls in the office. <laughs> Hello, darling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy. I was that idiot. And, but you, but you had no. You'd never tried comedy. You'd never done comedy. No. And then by the time you went back and decided not to join the Nigerian rugby team. Yeah. Uh, where? What was going on in your life when you when you decided to do comedy? How did that come about? Where were you? Well, I lived away. I ran. I didn't run away, but I I was told. 
in no uncertain terms that I should leave London. By uh, who? Uh, I, this is there are areas that I'm not willing, <laughs> not prepared to talk about. But essentially, I was, I was said, you perhaps you should leave London for a little bit. So I did. I left. I left, and I went to Israel, and I I, I lived in Israel for two years. What? Uh, I was only meant to be there for like four or five months, and then I ended up staying right, wait, there for two years. All right, back up. So you get thrown out of England. Not thrown out, but, but uh, politely asked to leave. Yeah, by people that had some weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you go to Israel. Why yeah. Israel? Uh, a mate of mine had been, and he said this this would be good for you. You should go to Israel. Yeah. Really? Like, like just uh, like weeks after the first. Uh, uh, Gulf War, war had ended. What, what was your mate doing in Israel? Uh, he was on kibbutz. So he's a Jewish guy. No, he was he was Christian. He's a he Christian guy. Catholic, yeah. Oh, so it, it's sort of. Um, I need to get my shit together. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna farm. I'm gonna drop I'm gonna out. Ha- I'm gonna hang gonna, out with people. Yeah. I'm gonna learn Hebrew. I'm gonna pick kiwi fruits. And that's what he did. Yeah. And how old was he? Uh, he was a bit older than me. He was like in his mid twenties, and I was uh, eighteen. I didn't know that the the kibbutz system was a, a, a viable alternative for anybody to get their shit together. But it makes sense, yeah. Because for American Jews, it's sort of like go get connected to Israel, yeah. But for apparently people in the UK, it's like better than jail. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> but also, it's that thing that it's uh, you call you call a volunteer, mm-hmm. and it's Swedish girls. It's South African girls, it's New Zealand uh, girls, it's right. Australian girls. So that also uh, appealing. Yeah. And Not just, the work necessarily. But. I like the work. I've always liked heavy lifting. And, and So what part of Israel were you in? I was right on the Lebanese border. Oh, yeah. Which was uh, kind of exciting uh, in a way. What was know? the name of the town? Uh, Bar-Am. Bar- yeah, yeah. Bar-Am, yeah. right in the north. And so you go there, you leave England, you pack up your shit, yeah. you say goodbye to your folks, yeah. and go into Israel. Ta-da. Yeah. I'll see you in three months. Yeah. And and you didn't you stayed on the kibbutz for two years? I did, yeah. I was there for like 14 months, and then I came back, hated hated it, and then I was at home for like two weeks, and then went away again for another nine months. So were, were you out of your mind? Yeah. I just kind of became a, like like a kibbutznik you know I just uh, it was such a weird thing to come back to London after all that time and so what it, what is life on the kibbutz like it's very formulaic it gave it, it gave me an insight into the fact that I'd probably do alright in prison right <laughs> you know it was like you'd but get you, did you, was there like did you make like sort of a conscious choice between that or say the military or something no I mean I had looked in you know I'd gone to like open days for for the navy and uh-huh. you know I, yeah. it's not it wasn't for me right but uh i i loved it i yeah. loved it i like so you know what, you'd what do you up, do you'd get up at four thirty in the morning yeah and you'd go to work you know lots of different jobs you could pick apples or the longer you were there the better the job you got essentially right. and then when i'd been there almost two years on and off i was like colonel kurtz yeah. i had like i ended up driving my own little van and yeah. i just hung out with the israelis and and you saw several different groups of people come and go come in and go in because a lot of people would do a month or do a yeah yeah and then the israelis trust you more the more you're there you know because they see so many different volunteers coming in and out and they treat the place like shit and get drunk and vomit like everywhere. Camp to them. yeah same yeah. thing so if you stick through it if you stick through winters, they seem to like you. Or, or bombardment by the, by <laughs> by the, the Lebanese. Mujahideen. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So did, did, what was your take on Israeli people? What did you learn from them? Um, They're kind of a tough lot. They are, a, they are a, t- a tough lot. And I think a lot of people think they're very rude. Uh-huh. 
Now, my problem, my problem with that is it's the way they turn Hebrew into English. Mm-hmm. So in Hebrew, it's perfectly acceptable to say, give me this. Yeah. That's well, how, right, how right. T- tenly, tenly, right. whatever. Yeah. Give me. Don't doll it up. No, 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 no. Yeah. I might be killed in an hour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like that now. In the West Bank. So <laughs> pl- please can I have the apple? Uh, <laughs> so when they speak English, they say, give me this, give me that. And yeah. people think, Jesus Christ, what a rude race. But yeah. it's, it's just the way the... Right. It's just the way the culture operates. Yeah. And you, so you picked apples and what else did you do? I picked apples. If you if you had been there a while, you could work in fish ponds. Not really? Amazing. Like giant fish ponds. And then once uh, every kind of three months... You pull the fish out? You pull the fish out. What kind of fish? Uh, St. Peter's carp. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's, that's, the, that's the fish there, St. Peter's fish. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, it's great. Because it's got a little black dot on its side and yeah. that's supposedly where St. Peter pulled the fish out of oh, Jesus' eye. Did you did, did you find um, so you were working the fish pond you picked apples you, you picking the, cotton cotton? cotton really? yeah by hand? yeah and they also had uh, like that a that beats your hands up doesn't it? They don't care, the Israelis. No, I know, but wait, with the experience well, of picking gloves, gloves. obviously, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not made of stone, Mark. Uh, My mistake. Uh, they had like a plastic factory as well, which was mindless. That must be, that's a huge kibbutz. Yeah, it was, it was, it was big. A plastic factory? Yeah. You know how plastic is made. Well, they would make, do you know when you have a, a little catheter in your arm, yeah. like a, a valve? Right. They would make the valves. Oh, that's what, so they manufactured That's shit. all they made, yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Did you tour Israel? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're there, and I think every four or five months, the Israelis say, let's go and do a trip. So you go to Jerusalem or you go to you Masada to- and yeah, yeah. the Dead Sea. Did and- you go to the top of Masada? I did, yeah. It's great, right? Fascinating, yeah. It's a good hike. It is a good hike, yeah. And the story of it, it's amazing. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. Really? Was it like a thousand people? Yeah. And a hundred of those drew, drew lots. Right. And that hundred killed the other 900 and then from that 100 10 were chosen to kill the other 90 is that how it worked yeah that's how they did it that's brutal and it was just did not give the what was it the romans the romans yeah the the victory yeah and so the ones that were left i think there were like four or five people left like women and children reading wells and stuff and they let them go because they were so impressed the fact that they'd killed all themselves I wonder what happened to the legacy of those people if that's part of their genealogical history. We were the, of the five survivors yeah. of Masada. They live in wells. Their <laughs> ancestors still now live in wells. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing that the, the Romans spent, what was it, like five years building a giant ramp out of Earth to get up there? Yeah, shit took time. And you can still see part of the ramp, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I went, why did they want the property so badly? Because it was a good lookout? I, think I don't it was, know. I think it had, air, I think it had air con. I think I had uh, <laughs> I primitive aircon. <laughs> did you? So, what did you think of Jerusalem? That place is a mind fuck. It's amazing. Yeah, weird. It was a weird. Pl- I mean, all the know, headquarters are there. All the big uh, religious. All franchises. the big ones are there. Yeah. Are you a religious person? No, not how, at all. How were you brought up? Catholic. Oh, so that killed it for you, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I had to go to church every day because of the school I was in, and uh, yeah, I kind of. Was uh, there a point where you did believe? Mm, not really i mean maybe as a kid yeah, but yeah. i smelled a rat from an early age you know catholics smell the rat quicker than other people usually <laughs> smell the rat could also be my memoirs mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess uh, there's something about the uh the the charade of catholicism that at some point you got to realize like they're putting a lot of effort into this <laughs> yeah 
Why haven't I got a massive ring? <laughs> yeah, right. How come that guy's winning? Why has he got a big ring? Yeah, the nice coils are all covered with like that Monty Python bit. He's the only one that hasn't got shit on him. Yeah. The, the king. How do you know he's a king? Yeah. So, all right. So you spent two years in... That's fascinating to me. And you came home and you're like, fuck this. And you went back to Israel. Yeah. And then what happened? I, I fell in love. I, I met a girl and, uh, and followed her back, followed her back to London. So she was from England. Yeah. And she so was, that's why you left Israel. There's a good chance if it wasn't for that chick, you would still be in Israel. Yeah, I you was might kind be of, uh, uh, in the army by I now. I think I'd be an officer yeah, in the army. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe I'd lost an arm in a in an exchange with uh, <laughs> with an Irishman <laughs> in a brutal exchange with an Irishman. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to a point where I was kind of given choices in terms of well, you've been here a while now, so you know maybe you should get married and stay or over oh, to become a citizen. Well, just to become part of the kibbutz, maybe. Oh, really? So there was a uh, if you if you if you you log the hours there's a cult element to it we'd yeah. like to keep you no, and your you children stay, here yeah. you have good stock perhaps you should go to the breeding tent you have <laughs> you have to give the children that fascinated me too that what? they give their children to the community uh, literally know at birth yeah not all kibbutzes do it but our one did and your children are looked after communally and stay in a house separately from you. Well, with the old, the idea was it was rooted in the idea of socialism, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, you're there uh, as part of that, a member of that kibbutzim to, to, to work. And I think their thing was Western society, the parents or the father is uh, so kind of often at work and they get maybe get 20 minutes or an hour when they get in. Right. And so, you know, the kids are looked after all day communally yeah and then you get four or five hours in the afternoon solid you know with your folks solid yeah and then you just sleep in a different house were there p- people i had that that were brought up that way on the kibbutz oh or? yeah all, all of them all the really? kids yeah i mean there were young adults there you know it was were they well adjusted and everything seemed like a good uh, yeah good as thing? well as any israeli can be I, right. I guess living you know did you keep any contacts with any friends from that time i didn't i don't i'm not like that yeah i, I don't know anyone from from Bef- you know two years ago really <laughs> that's where it drops uh, off it's just i don't know if it's the brain thing yeah but I, yeah i'm not a looker backer you yeah. know uh, i rarely i rarely do did you learn hebrew tiny bits you know I, I was good by the time i left i could understand more than i could speak but uh but it just goes it just it went yeah so you followed a woman from england that you met there yeah she was she uh she was her grandmother was israeli and she could speak hebrew and jewish girl jewish girl it was doomed from the start yeah her mum hated me really yeah yeah and uh yeah just didn't work although i you know i liked her very much and but it got you back in town it did yeah and you were like what 22 23 i was 21 and what so you what how old were you when you met simon 22 so it's about to happen. Yeah, yeah what, I could so, feel it. <laughs> so, so you come back to England. And what are you? What are you working? Where are you working? Well, this this girl, she worked at a Mexican restaurant called Chiquitos, and uh, by the time I got back to London, my parents had moved. Uh, from, Did they tell you where they went? They didn't tell me. I knocked at the door, and a, and a lovely, <laughs> a lovely Punjabi lady answered, uh, and I said, "You're not yeah. my mum." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, my mum was a, was a Welsh woman, so they moved back down to Wales. I have no idea what that like. I've met one other. Who did I meet? Uh, John Ronson. Yeah, they're a writer. He's uh, yeah. Welsh. Uh, John Ronson's son is the funniest little kid I've ever met. He's, really? Yeah, I could have spent. He's. I have a theory about certain children that I call them old young men. Yeah, where they're actually really old, but they're 
kind of young, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, He's one of those. And oh, I, really? I, yeah, I saw him at the pool premiere. Uh-huh. We were just chatting, having a laugh, and he's like eight. <laughs> yeah. He had like a little green corduroy suit on. Oh, really? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Ronson's a good guy. He's a good band. Smart guy. Yeah. But so so your mother's from Wales. What's Wales like? Um, Wales is uh, it's kind of industrial. You know, it's yeah. known for its steel production and coal. Uh, which kind of dropped off in the 80s, you know. Yeah. And uh, as soon as that industry left, a lot of it died. You know, you yeah. got beautiful villages that just every Nothing. man was now out of work, you know. Oh, so that's um, the beautiful uh, villages masking the horrendous depression. And and rampant alcoholism. Yeah. And and, and wife beating of, of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the flip side, where my family are from, is a place called Pembrokeshire, which is r- the, the furthest west you can go in Britain, essentially. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's There's just so rugged you- cliffs and beaches and yeah, yeah. crystal clear water and, and, and a lot of sheep. And that's where your, par- your parents moved to? Yeah, yeah. So you had that to go back to if you wanted. I did, but I hated going back because it was essentially, you know, it felt like I was living inside a tumour. You know, you could feel that that kind of loss in terms of... The jobs know. and everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me when I hear about Britain not knowing a lot about it that... Yeah, it's been around for so many centuries, and there's so much beautiful history. But most of the modern stories are like, "Oh, it's horrible! The yeah. industry left, and just we had to eat sa- our dogs." Yeah, just nothing but sadness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not everywhere. I mean, London booms, and, and yeah. But you know, little little cities, little towns, just and also it's that thing that uh, I I'd, I'd go to this town since I was a little boy, and so the people you'd see who were eighteen or nineteen when I was five or six, now I'm twenty four, twenty five sitting in the pub and they're in their 40s still in that same pub you think gee whiz you can you can feel the town just dying as its youngsters either leave or well there's a there's a little bit of that vibe in um in the in the world's end you know there there is that because that happens to everybody to to some degree yeah yeah some people leave and some people never leave yeah oh it's it's heartbreaking but I don't know. Like, I'm not going to get too existential about it, but when you really think about the span of a lifetime, oh, it, it, and people, yeah. what they do or what they don't do, yeah. it's very easy to just sit there and like, well, tomorrow I'll do it, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that, and then it goes, yeah, it all goes. But you can do, you know, when I was a waiter, I thought I'll do this for three months, and then five and a half years down the line, I'm still there, and you think, Jesus Christ, it, it goes so quick. Was this where at the Mexican restaurant? Yeah. So you were there for that long? Yeah. So you go. So you're in love with this Jewish British girl. Yeah, and she's Who working lives in Los Angeles now. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you see her? No, no. We've never. We haven't seen each other for a long, long time. But you know, she's here. Yeah. Is she an actress? She was at, at some point. Yeah. She had a, a nice part in James Cameron's Titanic. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's astounding, isn't it? Kind uh, yeah. of interesting. But you, but you, you just didn't keep in touch. I guess. He, what are you going to do? It ended badly. Yeah. She gave me a piece of information when she broke up with me which I've kept with me forever, really. Yeah. And she said, when you realize you're not going to spend the rest of your life with someone, at what point do you call it a day? Uh, and it really hurt me at the time. But now, like t- 20 years later, I think that's bloody good information. You know, it's- sure. But, when, but was that before she called it a day? That was at the moment of her calling it a day. <laughs> we were outside Woodford Bridge train station, and that was her. Oh, that was her breakup. That was a rhetorical question to right. me. That was a rhetorical question as a breakup. Oh, we're, we're, I was like, we... oh do you mean us? <laughs> oh, right. oh, right. Oh, I don't know. Now, <laughs> should we do it now? But but during the time you were working at the restaurant with her, you you guys were dating for like five years. 
No, she was she was she was a traveller at heart. She was a fly by night kind of good time girl, and she had a massive, she had many many friends, and yeah. you know she stay and she work for four months and get enough money, and then she'd go to New York, or then she'd go to and then come Australia, back? and yeah, she she'd flit around. You but know. You, and you stayed solid at the restaurant. I did. So she would go away for four months after you broke up, and yeah. she'd come back. Hey, how's it going? But she only came back a couple of times before right. then leaving for good. I right. Think she moved to a different restaurant. That's. <laughs> But that's that's kind of a brutal kind of thing. Like, Hello. I'm still- how you been? <laughs> yeah. I like this character that you have of yourself, the, bit- the sort of hurt guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, that's who's in me. Hello. <laughs> you look good. You look nice. <laughs> you, look, you look nice is good. Yeah, yeah. How's it been? <laughs> you, you, you been? You seen anyone? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so you're a waiter at a fucking Mexican restaurant. Yeah. How was the food? Well, the food was good when I started. Yeah. But it's the shittest food in the world right now. It it's was taken still, over by a chain. It's still and, there? Yes, yeah, there's a few of them. Uh, but every when I worked there, every day, yeah. they would make everything fresh. Right. And it was absolutely delicious. And how now this is like this is a great story because you know, like something you could not have expected. Yeah. Comes into your world and changes your entire life. Yeah. Simon, so, yeah, Simon, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, but like it, that, it's, it's it's a rare thing that that happens because yeah. you, you had no because it sounds to me that you know you were heartbroken, lost, uh, you know. You, I've had that a lot, yeah, a lot of heartbreak and and, and lost, you know. Well, right, I like it. Yeah. I know it seems weird, but I like that. What what, what about I, it? Do you I, like? I like that angsty pain of of unrequited oh, so you, love? You know, it's, sure, sure. I kind of got quite good at it. So in terms of it being a default setting, I I, I was all right with that. I knew how that felt. Right, and, and it, like if you can, if you got a handle on that, you can handle anything, really. Yeah, but in terms of other women, that shit gets old. That. <laughs> That left bank uh, poet, right, right, is fine for a bit, but it becomes fairly unattractive but, in but, your mid thirties. But, but are you saying to me that you you resigned yourself to it? Yeah, I think I always fell in love with women who were fairly unattainable in terms of they were really beautiful. And you know what that guarantees? That you stay in that shitty place. Yeah. That must be how you feel comfortable. Serving pints of margarita to thick-fisted Irishmen. So, okay, so you're heartbroken. Yeah. You have no goals. No. You're just working at a restaurant. Yeah. Going home every night to your your sad little house. Well, we'd all go out. There was a, a curry house called the Pink Rupee. Yeah. In a place called Cricklewood. And yeah. every night, literally, we'd finish our shift and we'd go there and we'd have a late supper, all the waiters. Oh, yeah and drink so you had friends eight nine pints of Stella yeah and then go back and sit up till four or five in the morning just just puffing on you know yeah and that was your life good life and how does how do you what happens a girl came to work at the restaurant called Charlotte and me and her became really good friends really quickly she was just there was never any attraction there but you know when you just get someone yeah you think wow how did this begin yeah and she had a boyfriend called Simon yeah and uh, one night I had a party at my place and she was bringing him along and I'd never met him before and I was nervous I was nervous to meet this guy because he was a stand up and I was like the funniest bloke at Chiquito's <laughs> That's, that was official by the way yeah. Uh, and yeah I met him and, and we had like a weird we kind of circled around each other for like two hours at the party like I didn't want to yeah yeah like, who's and then the I funny got, guy yeah, yeah yeah and then I got to a point where he was outside on this balcony and I kind of went out there and 
And I remember us, we stood there for like two hours doing impressions at one another, like the dueling banjo scene from <laughs> from, a delivery. from Deliverance, but with impressions. <laughs> what impressions were you doing? Ah, like characters from the Young Ones and newsreaders, and there was a weather guy called Ian McCaskill, and he was really famous for like he'd start every every uh, like weather thing. He'd he'd say this, "Hello," and that <laughs> so like me and him, but even now like. That can make me and Edgar and Simon laugh a lot if just out of the blue one of us says, Oh, oh, the, oh, the way, oh. Uh, so, yeah, we did that a lot. And then, uh, as was my want at that point, I then became so, so paralytically drunk that uh, Simon, as Simon left the party, I had like a big, a big bass bin in my flat, like a big, big speaker. Yeah. And his last memory of that party was me unconscious slumped on top of it as music went blah, 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 yeah, yeah. And kind of vibrated me off of it <laughs> yeah uh, and that was and that was that you know and we suddenly realized that kind of three or four months down the line we'd spent every day together and the really three, you uh, just became friends yeah. the three of you usually or? the three of us yeah the three of us became thick as thieves and we would just like howl with uncontrollable laughter and i'd never met anyone like like Simon and did you go see him perform? Yeah, there was a, there was a time there was a year when I went with him to two hundred and fifty gigs. Well, I drive him, and a couple of times I'd intro him and uh, you know Charlotte at the point that he started to say maybe you should try some stand up and at first he wrote like a list of of clubs right for that, you that would take me on and I could do an open spot and. And I'd never ever dreamed of doing anything like that or being an actor or, and I shit it, I was fucking terrified of of doing that, you know. But you did it. I did. I did twelve gigs, and six were amazing. Oh yeah, what did you do? Impressions or no? I just I just wrote like a little a little eight minute routine. Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't really have a voice. It wasn't my right. own voice. It was kind of surreal, and you know we really loved the comedians uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, and their thing was surrealism at that time, and. So I wanted to be kind of like that. And, yeah. and I think the problem with it is I wasn't very good because I hadn't done it a lot. You know, right. it's like everything. You just have to get up there and just just do it and do it and do it. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and so six were good and six were the lowest points of my life. And that includes <laughs> burying both parents. Oh. They were completely awful. I did a gig which lasted three seconds. Uh, what happened in uh, three seconds? I was working in the restaurant I'd done a like a Chiquitos. Chiquitos. Um a waitress was taking over from me at six o'clock. I had a gig at like half eight. But the other part of the, you know, the other side of the city. And do you have Pro Plus here? What is that? Pro Plus are like caffeine tablets. Mm. I've been taking I've been eating those during the day and drinking coffee and by the time she got there I was so fucking furious and and uh, you know, my teeth were grating. And then it took me two and a half hours to get across the city in the rain on buses. Uh-huh. And when I got into the venue, there was probably 14 people in there. Oh, yeah. And they were all aged between 18 and 24-year-old men. Yeah. And they were all from the same soccer team. Yeah. And when I walked in, there was a, a heckle war going on between them mm-hmm. and the compere. Mm-hmm. And the, the host? And the host. Yeah. And the compere saw me with my coat on and I kind of okay. waved. And still with my coat on, Did he you know that face. He in- oh, hello, hello. <laughs> uh, he introduced me uh, to get himself out of the shit. It's yeah. only like my sure. third gig. Thank God you're here. Yeah. And I kind of got on. I still had my coat on, and I kind of went, "Oh, hello." 
kind of bit humble. Hello. And like this big lump stood up and said, fuck off, you fat cunt. And uh, I clipped, I just clipped the mic back on and went home. I just walked off and went home. And that was it. Heartbroken again. Yeah. Still out in the rain for another two hour journey back. Was that the last gig? Yeah, I did a couple more after that. There was almost a fist fight with a heckler. Uh, but yeah, the, the return in terms of... I'd get sick afterwards. I'd get the worst migraines. Oh, I'd, really? Because I'd been thinking about it for three days up to the point oh, yeah, where I'd the do worst. it. The worst. And then that release of actually, you know, if people would laugh and it would go well, you'd, right. I'd still feel so sick afterwards. Yeah, you'd be, yeah, because you put yourself... And if they don't laugh, then it's all still inside you. Yeah. Just like, then, then it moves from spending three days thinking about it to spending three days being the shit out of yourself, yeah. being the shit out of yourself about it, thinking about how, how it fucking go wrong. Yeah. So, I was just bad at, you know. So it didn't, you, know, you didn't stick. It didn't stick. No. <laughs> no. So how did it lead to... Um, the the creation of uh of what was it space right yeah well it was simon you know he 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 was a great stand-up and yeah. uh you know he got more he did edinburgh festival a few times right. and he started to get the attention of of tv commissioners and and script editors you know and uh, they offered him a show called uh, spaced with him and uh, a lovely lady called jessica hines yeah so i i saw that i watched all of them they're great oh cool thank you yeah uh, and so they got offered this uh, sitcom they offered them a series straight away we didn't have to make a pilot but whose idea was it was it edgar's or who? Uh, no it was it was simon and jessica's oh so they pitched it yeah okay and then you know they got edgar on board and then edgar edgar was essentially the third beetle you know yeah in, in that in that uh, in that in that team yeah um and simon came to me at one point and said i used to do a character called mike watt who was a member of the national guard and he said i want you to come and do that character on on the show and you know being a I, ne never wanting anything or never you know never having an idea of what i ever wanted to do i had that and it annoys simon that but i have that thing where he says why don't you come and do this and i kind of went mm, yeah all right <laughs> yeah like, right. Well, if i've got nothing better to do yeah, yeah i will <laughs> and i to be honest i never thought it would ever happen you well know. it's actually the best way to be because you don't have the expectations you don't get into a place where you're desperate yeah and you don't uh it's just sort of like it, 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 it's neither here nor there really yeah yeah, I mean, if it wasn't that, it would be something else. Right. You know, I've always had a weird kind of Jiminy Cricket in me that says, it'll be all right. Yeah. No matter what's happened to me in my life. Right. That's that voice that said, it'll be all right. That's the, that's the best you can have. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, you, know, you know, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll be all right. And, and so, You'll be dead soon. Keep going. But that character became, was sort of a complicated, interesting character. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. I mean, I imagine as the... However, you conceived of it, or whatever you were doing, you were doing it on stage occasionally, or just for fun. No, with him? just uh, yeah, just uh, to make him laugh. Right, him sitting in a pub because it became like the the relationship between you two became interesting, and that character had you know had a, a, a sort of softness to its weirdness. Yeah, and it became sort of an endearing thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you could see me and Simon's relationship right. in, in that. You right, know? And I think we've out of every character me and him have ever played, we've both been each other's characters at different points of our lives you know? right right which and, is kind of fun and did you like what how what was the reaction to space how it was successful people right people loved it yeah, yeah it's, people loved it and it's amazing to me in, in in britain that like you did 
what did you do? Like uh, seven episodes. Well, fourteen, but seven in the season. Right, and that's it. You did that two was seasons. Yeah, is uh, just sort of like that's what you do I in Britain. You do it, no. I think it just. I mean, you you do get sitcoms that go for longer, but I think at that point it just fizzled out, and and Edgar was keen to do a film, and 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 Simon and Edgar, you know, wanted to do Shaun of the Dead, so we 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 were offered that option so we went that way and did you were you now a, a sort of an established actor to to a certain degree or? no i went back to waitering after the first series of spaced because i'd you know come in from a place where i never had money when yeah. someone then gave me i don't know what the figure was someone gave me like six grand to do spaced it was like that that went in eight weeks right you know i just spunked it up the wall right and eight weeks later i came to literally mopping the floor at 1 a.m in a different restaurant just kicking myself saying you fucking idiot why did you do that but i'd never done that again you know that was my lesson in terms of financial nows you blew the money and and what you lost your job at chiquitos i left it i burnt my bridges it was like i felt like homer simpson saying i'm never coming back i'm gonna be you get me yeah 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 Yeah, just and then after the first season or does it yeah i I was back to waitering in a a place called old old orleans yeah uh and the tagline was a taste of the deep south oh boy terrible I like that you you at least went with strange uh, kind of North American ethnic cuisines. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. Have New Orleans and they have Mexico. Uh, and, yeah, I'm yeah. a soul food kind of you know any place that does does gumbo and and jambalaya, I'll, I'll be working there. So you're working there, and then when you got the second season, did you tell them to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, I was off. Yeah, <laughs> and then it started to pick up. You know, I started yeah. to do little bits and pieces, and 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 you know. But most of it with Simon, or you were doing other stuff too. Well, most of my acting was with Simon and Edgar at that point. But I'd done other little bit. You know, I was doing a sketch show at one point, and yeah, a lot, a lot of that thing where you're kind of sitting on a panel and talking about current affairs with a comedy slant. You know, that kind of. Oh, you were with that guy, the you yeah, the, the big funny guy, panel guy, yeah, 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 panel show guy. And, and it was fun. It was good. We did a couple of seasons of that thing, and I did some presenting, and I did a show called Danger 50,000 Volts, yeah. which I loved. We did two seasons of that, and I was essentially playing a character of... of it was a bit like Mike Watt. Uh-huh. And we did a lot of work here in the States, but it was, what if you're attacked by an alligator? Why do you get out of it? Yeah. It was that kind of thing. But it was real. It was real, right. yeah. I ended up Talk in to Florida. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of experts, a lot of ex-military... I ended up wrestling an alligator in Florida and it almost breaking my arm. Uh, I got into a boat crash in Florida and was hospitalized. Florida is a dangerous place. I never got, I, I don't go back. No, because of those horrible Ed- memories. Uh, yeah. Edgar, he sent me a, an email a few weeks ago and on it was, uh, uh, I don't know where it was from. It was from some, something over here and it was every state in America um, and it was number one torrented film in each state. Cuban Fury was the most torrented film in Florida. And that what was it? What movie was that? Cuban Fury. I did a dance film like last year, where I played a, a Cuban salsa champion, and it was the number one torrented film in in that, the most highly stolen movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought God, I wish you'd paid. It did like a hundred grand over here in the box office, uh, <laughs> but I was weirdly proud of it. Why wouldn't you be? But yeah, you're a cult sensation. I wouldn't have to pay for another drink in Miami in the Cuban quarter. <laughs> you you got to go down there. Yeah. What and what was it? Was it a, an over the top, you know, hilarious character that you were doing? No, it was a man um, who was down on his luck, uh, predictably. Uh, you know, a bit broken. He was a champion dancer when he was. 12 and then he got essentially beaten up by bullies and he turned his back on the world of 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 cuban salsa Uh and then like 20 years down the line he's a bit of a sad sack and 
this woman, Rashida Jones, comes to work in his office and he falls in love with her and he finds out that she dances salsa, so he finds his old his old teacher again to try and get him to learn all the all the new moves. Did you learn? I did. I trained for seven hours a day, six days a week for seven months. And are, can you do it? I can, yeah. I, that's something I'll never lose now. Do you do it for fun now? I do, yeah. I was out a few weeks ago. But now, okay, so the, the, the big movies you did with um, with Simon... Yeah. Are you did you did Shaun of the Dead and then you did uh what was the other one? Uh, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Was the next that one. was a good one. I watched them. I watched them all and I watched uh, I had World's End. And we did Paul. Yeah, oh, I don't know if I saw that one. Uh so there were the little alien they have to get the alien back. Oh, oh okay. And me and him play comic book nerds. Yeah. And uh we hire an RV and we treat ourselves by having a we go to Area 51 to to see what it's all about and while we're there we bump into an alien who has escaped from the facility and we have to drive him up to devil's tower to get home to get him home so a little et riff did yeah. edgar direct that one uh no that was lovely greg matola who uh-huh. did super bad oh okay who's a mate of ours and he did that which was amazing i got to live in santa fe for like five months i grew up in new mexico i liked it a lot yeah, it's I lo- gorgeous. too much amber and dream catchers for me but well, that's uh, santa fe that is santa yeah, fe i grew up in albuquerque uh, a lot of ex yeah. uh ex-astronauts wandering around and you know neil young had come into town a lot of ex-everything's with money yeah end up there david byrne had drift through town at some point yeah doing acoustic sets it's weird right yeah it's a little town it's a little town it is did you go to tia sofia's and have the blue corn enchiladas or pasquale's did you know yeah tons of places beautiful right green or red yeah exactly christmas that's that's the big that's a big question in new mexico yeah i'm a green guy mostly yeah i am as well Enchiladas, I'll have red. I had the slowest getaway from a club uh, while I was in Santa Fe. Me and my wife went to this. We went to the, the like the state fair where we witnessed mutton busting, where where kids ride sheep. Oh, okay, okay. As if they're riding bulls. Right, right. Training uh, for yeah. a, 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 a horrible life. Pre bull. <laughs> yeah, pre bull training. Pre bull at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then, like weirdly, we ended up in some techno club. Yeah. Uh, and a local drug dealer took offence at the fact that. I like wouldn't have a drink with him and he kind of started to get a bit angry at me and he got to a point where he was like you better have a drink with me because you're just being rude now I was like to my wife let's have a drink let's have a drink uh, and like we had a drink but we sat there in stony silence like he didn't have anything but he kind of wanted to be seen in the club yeah, hanging with out you. with a Shaun of the Dead guy yeah. and so I ended up saying to my wife why don't you just go to the toilet and just walk away go to the toilet. and so she went to the toilet and I kind of <laughs> Did a thing, and I said, I'm going to go to the loo. And then we ended up kind of me and her outside, yeah, just panicking. This guy's going to fuck us up. And there was like uh, a rickshaw outside. Do you know the, the yeah, bikes? Sure. And oh, you yeah, sit yeah. in the back. Yeah, and, yeah. and I said, just get in. Let's go. Let's go. And we, me and Chris got in this rickshaw. Yeah. And it was like a 19-year-old yeah. girl. Yeah. Uh, who was obviously like a, like a ladies soccer major or something. Right. And I said, let's just go, just go. And we made a getaway yeah. at like one, on one mile an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the guy come out? No. Oh, good. Well, well, well I mean, good. we were in view of the club for an hour, so <laughs> he would have seen <laughs> anyway. us. My buddy uh, Dave really liked the uh, hyperdrive. He misses oh, that. Oh, cool. He, he, I didn't know about it, but he's like, oh, it's great. I yeah. love it. Uh, How many of those did you do? We did two seasons, so 12. Yeah. It was good, man. It, I really enjoyed it. I, I, mean, I like science fiction anyway, so yeah. having to... Were you always a nerdy guy? Because you don't strike me as a nerdy guy. I was. I lived a double life. Uh, I was a jock by day. Yeah. And then at night, I'd come back and read 2000 AD and... 
so you all have that in common you and edgar and simon yeah the, 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 you but sort of, well you know i think where they were lucky and fortunate is they got to embrace theirs a lot earlier than me you know right. i had to kind of keep mine hidden yeah you were you were, uh, you were a, a closet nerd i was a closet nerd and it was only when i met simon really that uh, that became you were able to uh, embrace uh, it yeah absolutely you know and and think about films as being a cinema you know and, right and, and and think about intertextuality and the fact that i'd heard a riff from a soundtrack in a different film you think i know what that is you know that yeah, yeah. that thing i'd never thought about that before i knew that what i knew how i felt but i never knew there were words for it you know what i mean well yeah because well edgar's sort of a sophisticated sort yeah, yeah it's a real film head yes and uh you know all this sort of weird genre play you guys did in uh spaced was uh so that was all sort of mind-blowing to you yeah i yeah. mean it was like well this is what we do at home you yeah know, this is what me and simon do every day we have yeah you know I, I i used to do lots of uh different sound effects of firearms that was part of mike watt's initial kind of mo that he could kind of uh, uh, do every firearm and so that kind of slow motion gunfight was stuff that me and simon would do anyway you know <laughs> just sitting around the house yeah I'd, I'd come in one day to someone i'd say um this is the flat hollow boom of a shotgun you know and right i'd wrench it up and yeah 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 in terms of making movies with simon and edgar you, you're a, pro a producer now a lot of times or? yeah i produce cuban fury and yeah. i produce world's end and uh, how was that job i mean how did you come into that job what does it entail really well um, you know i think it's about just having that official stamp that right. you have a voice essentially right. you know i i i think during Shaun of the dead and certainly not so much hot fuzz but you know i was kind of young to all this and new to it all and I think I, I was very aware of my place in the food chain. And even though it was the three of us making films, I was acting in those jobs, you know. But I did have a kind of voice and they would always let me, you know, hammer hammer the script for notes. And then they they, they take those into consideration or they don't take them, you know. Right. Uh, but then the, obviously the more and more we did together, the, the, you know, it, it, and after Hot, after Hot Fuzz it was... And World Zen was saying, I kind of was confident enough to say, I'd really like to produce this with you guys. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was cool. So you're like a guy now. You're a show business guy. Yeah, now I'm a showbiz guy. It's an amazing story. Yeah, I guess. You, you you still don't consider it? You know, I mean, I know you only go a couple of years back and you don't look back much, but don't, you, don't aren't there moments where you're like, holy shit. Yeah. I was thrown out of England. Yeah, well, I was asked to leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I was kind of approached recently by a publisher to say, would you would you ever write a memoir? And so I, I'm not sure. I mean, I've I've sat down for five months and I've written one. And I'm like, I'm 23 and I've written 190 pages of, of really? a story. Uh, so I don't think I am going to do it, but I enjoyed sitting down and doing it for myself. You know, it's kind of interesting. Oh, right, to engage the memories. Yeah. And see the journey. Yeah. What? What? Why are you apprehensive about doing it? Because of that, well, uh, that area that... There, you, know. you know, I think I wanted to write the whole thing and then take out everything I wouldn't want anyone right. to know and see what would be left. Right. See if there would be an, an amusing story there, you know. Without the without the embarrassing without the parts. Shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's what people want. They want but, the shit. Yeah. Yeah, but see, there's a weird thing in, in our culture today is that I'm not sure people are ready for that shit, you know. they What they want is a story about meeting Quentin Tarantino or, 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 or me and Bill Hader hanging out together or people want that. What they don't want is those maybe what the publishers don't want are those 
very interesting autobiographies of the 70s and 80s by people who lived a life and you know that's what i want to read about right but that's the, not necessarily right the ones who barely made it out but are now they they're now big and old and rich enough to not care and they had an amazing life sure think, jesus christ you well, it sounds like you had one that happened to you yeah yet still you survived and th- and thrived you know they uh, why of course they want that you don't think they want that no well, did you meet Quentin tarantino i did yeah how was that uh, amazing <laughs> yeah i've met him a bunch of times <laughs> yeah is he a fan yeah, he yeah. has a picture of me and Edgar and Simon in his in his cinema. Uh huh. When you go out for other directors and stuff, what, what are you? What, what would you like to do at this point? Okay, let's have a general meeting now. Okay, it's so nice to see you finally. Hello. Yeah, I really <laughs> I enjoy- became that guy. Yeah, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, you. I enjoy your work. Thank you. Love Simon. Thank- Ed- what? Edgar was just here yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Good friends of yours. So, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you? Oh, I don't know. I'm not really bothered. <laughs> what have you got? I went into a meeting years ago. Yeah. It was like the first time I'd done generals after Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And I had a meeting with, I think it was Amblin or uh-huh. one of those guys. Was that Spielberg's old company? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those, you know, yeah. it was quite a big deal yeah. and yeah. I was terrified and it was hot and I was sweating and yeah. I turned up three minutes late and then they kept me waiting for a while to punish me. Right. And then they said, you know, you can go in and, and, and this lovely girl kind of showed me into the office. And right. there was a woman sat behind a big desk in quite a dark room, kind of lined with rich mahogany or sequoia. Uh-huh. And she did that thing where she just pointed at a chair and she She's didn't look up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she stopped after a couple of minutes and she looked at me. I mean, she really looked at me. And then her thing, <laughs> she said to me, I got three words for you. Shrek on Broadway. And she actually, she put her chin on her... On her fist. On her fist to yeah. underline the fact she'd finished talking. Yeah. And it, uh, that, you know, I think that says a lot about me. I was like, oh, um... Uh, um <laughs> I actually remember saying to her, what else have you got on your slate? <laughs> like I'd heard someone say slate in an office. Take your head off your fist and give me some other options. Yeah, all right, chin fist. Take your... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they were trying to cast that. They thought you were the guy, huh? They were, well, the- I mean, I guess the criteria for that is, is he big? Right. Can, no, he, can, yeah. can he dance? Can he sing? Not that. Just no. like, is he fat? Yeah. yeah. Is he Shrek-shaped? Yeah. And you said, uh, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for seeing me. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you, do you have some things you want to do? Well, you're like, you know, I've I've just written a... I've, I've written a kid's thing, uh-huh. uh, which I want to turn into a gra- graphic novel. I've just met a really amazing artist called rebecca foster and i think she's keen to illustrate it for me and you do uh, you do a lot of voiceovers as well don't I you do voiceovers yeah and uh yeah i mean i just want to make good things with good people right i've written a wrestling film oh that'd so be I, good i think we're going to try and get that off the ground are you a wrestling here. fan i am a wrestling fan i like a bit of rough and tumble and uh i'd like to do all the wrestling myself so oh that'd be great i need to put a cap on it in terms of yeah i think i'm 42 <laughs> now i think 45 and yeah, yeah that's when you start getting spines busted and yeah you gotta you gotta find another guy that looks like you to take the hit yeah maybe yeah. the guy who's playing shrek at the moment yeah. on broadway <laughs> I, I don't think it lasted long he's probably looking for work yeah they cast a guy who turned out not to be the right guy who i know 
And but they already did the contract with him, so he got paid out for it. Oh, nice! But he wasn't even the dude. I think it's now probably so you could go and see it in Atlantic City. Sure, it's that kind it's of. It's always on Broadway yeah. in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. And what what did you and Simon do? What are we doing with this uh, Shaun of the Dead re uh, revisiting? Is that happening? Uh, what for the for Phineas and Ferb? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, it's a cartoon that um, I've never I've seen it a couple of times, but I know the guys and they're yeah. they're lovely. But they they've they've written us in as, as Shaun and Ed for the oh. Like the Halloween uh, special. I mean, I think we're in it for like 60 seconds. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. And when you go back, where you go back to? Where are you living? I live in the south <clears throat> southwest of London, a uh-huh. place called Twickenham. Yeah. It's very beautiful. The Thames flows through it. Oh, that's And nice. it's famous for having the world's biggest uh, rugby stadium. Uh, and it's twi- the headquarters of English rugby. And so like 16 times a year, we have 100,000 lunatics descend on our small town to go and watch rugby do you go i don't i get a lot of hassle from from being in the films that i've done i get uh, i get you know oh, you can't get through the crowd then. no uh, i mean literally everywhere i go people stop me and want photos and, and isn't that weird it's like the new autograph autographs i think were even more daunting photos it's, it's almost too easy because they can just sort of like, to them you just they we're just holding you and then they, yeah yeah do you do it yeah, yeah, I'm always course. lovely. Right, about yeah, it. yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm chuffed to bits. Really, I'm I'm thrilled that someone would give a shit that I'd done anything that would mean that they would want a photo. Do you? Are me. you upset though that you can't go to the rugby games? Not really. I mean, I've always had. I think this comes from being a kid and trying to get into those thick-fisted Irish bars and seeing all the fucking hassle between groups of massive, uh, massive groups of men. That yeah. it put me off being with massive groups of men. Yeah, I can't deal with this. I'm not a fan of that at all. I'd rather just be a few of us and yeah. You know, even stag nights bo- bother me. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I'd yeah. rather be with. I'm a gu- I'm a girl man. I like hanging out with girls. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's I like girls. I'm more... good with girls. I just like one or two people. Yeah. yeah. Once there's three, it's like, who's that guy? Yeah. Why you should he... go. Yeah. <laughs> you too should... many. I didn't make enough for you. Yeah. Party's full. <laughs> it's just me and these <laughs> other two fellas. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, Nick. Hey, listen. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, so. So now, well, Simon's in Morocco. Yeah, texting you. Yeah, <laughs> from what he, from the yeah, from what? the uh, the quail quarter. <laughs> what, uh, what was the last thing he said to you? Uh, uh, I just had a hawk on me, or something like that. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you get that a lot? Does he send pictures and stuff? Oh, we send so much shit to one another. That's you know. sweet. Oh, he's a great guy. I'm glad you got good friends. Yeah, and you've done great things. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, that's it. Wait, I love talking to that guy. What a funny guy. Nice guy. Happy for his success. Look, folks, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get some merch. Pick up the app if you don't have it. Uh, we've got about 500 and God knows how many episodes. The most recent 50, always free. All episodes free for up to six months. Then you got to get the premium app. So you download the free one, upgrade to premium for a few bucks, and you can stream all of them going to re, uh, restock the merch for Christmas. I should probably make a new shirt or something. Something. Oh, did I mention that Fences wore uh, his own handcrafted Boomer Lives shirts on uh, on uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? That was exciting. I guess I should talk to that guy at some point. I'll have to get into what he does. It's not that I'm not interested in things. It's a lot of times I just don't make time for them. Um, I guess that would be sort of similar to not being interested. Would it not? Yes, it would.
I'm working on it. I'm telling you, man. Gonna go into music. Yeah, because there's always room for a you know fifty-year-old mediocre blues player. Big market. Boomer lives. <laughs> <laughs>